Happy New Year, parents. We're glad to have you with us for another year of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. My name is Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, and we are excited to be entering into 2020 with you and answering some of your great questions. Uh, Before we do that, uh, I do want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, uh, the Center, a place of hope up in the Seattle area. They have been sponsoring us now for several months, and we're so grateful to them for doing that. That helps keep us on the air, uh, gives you the opportunity to listen to us. And uh, they're doing such great work up there. And if one of your New Year's resolutions this year is to really get your emotional life in order or to help someone that you love, you might check them out. Uh, It's called The Center, A Place of Hope. You can find more information about them on our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And, of course, all kinds of resources on there as well for you, from Michael, from me, and uh, a place as well to submit questions. And we're going to dive into one of those questions today. Michael, Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year to you, too, and Happy New Year, everyone. Great to be here. Uh, Michael, just uh, on a side note, do you make New Year's resolutions? (laughs) Well, yeah. Kind of. No, I, I do. I just, uh, I, I, let's see, I'll be cliche and say I try every day of the year to make a resolution. But uh, yeah, we, Gail and I look at each other, we go, okay, what are we going to focus on? And and uh, we try really hard and then uh, we drift, but we do make them, yes. <laughs> well, we're here to help all parents keep their New Year's resolution this year uh, to take one or two steps in a positive direction as parents. And uh, we do that through your questions. And we have a really wonderful question today. Uh, and I think it's going to help us deal with a number of things that we've talked about over the last 70-some podcasts together uh, from a slightly different perspective. And so our question comes from uh, a couple of our listeners, happens to be a gay couple, and they are looking to adopt children. And before they do that, they're trying to learn as much as they possibly can about adopting children, particularly through the lens of being a gay couple. And uh, I just thought all of their questions were fascinating. And um, also, again, a a great way to sort of review uh, the different things that we've talked about when it comes to parenting. So whether we're in a a single-parent household or a gay household, lesbian household, or uh, heterosexual household, I think there's going to be a lot of really good stuff to cover today as we uh, kick off 2020 with uh, episode number 71. So, Michael, I'm going to start with this first question. And uh, their question is, because they're both men, uh, how do they achieve bi-strategic parenting? And so it might be good just to review a little bit what you mean by bi-strategic parenting. Yeah. So bi-strategic does grow from the concept that um, that sex is binary. While we can argue that gender is fluid, that's a social construct. Sex is binary. It's in the brain. Um, and so males and females throughout history... Uh, with exceptions, have brought their own assets and talents to the parenting uh, puzzle. And moms tend to be more maternal, dads tend to be more paternal. Uh, So that's bi-strategic. It doesn't mean that's how it works in every household, but that is across the world, you find this where, where moms and dads are parenting somewhat differently. So I actually think that's a great thing. And as you know from our pre- previous podcast, we, we, th- we agree, I believe, that we, we don't want to buy into the concept that there's only one right way to parent. We want to give kids bi-strategic and multi-strategic assets So because the brain is complex and it needs all this different stimulation. So in a gay couple, what we often find actually is that, that while, while in this case it's two men, it could be two women, we'll stay with two men here, with 
two men, one of the men generally is more maternal, and one of the men generally is more paternal. Um, not exactly sure in the research why that happens, uh, why one of the men tends to be more feminine, one of the men more masculine. Same in lesbian couples, one more masculine, one more feminine. Um, that sort of seems to happen anyway. And so it actually kind of fits this concept that there, there might be something innate in us when we're raising kids, uh, even when we're bonding, that where there's, where, you know, we're different where it's differences that, that attract. So uh, it can even work with a, a gay couple. Now, e if they don't fit that modality, one more masculine, more, one more feminine, it's not like they have to. If they don't, they're still going to bring two different sets of assets to parenting. So uh, it's still going to fit with bi-strategic. They're not going to be exactly the same. And I think that's going to be great uh, for, this, for these kids. And I think they want to, they said they want to get two and hopefully two boys. They said, uh, not too young, just old enough to be self-sufficient. So, so giving these guys different stimulation, not exactly the same. That's the concept. It's a great thing. So, part of it for these two dads, as it would be for any parent, then is to really discover uh, what their own personal values are when it comes to parenting, what their strengths are when it comes to parenting, and and then discovering the the strengths and the values of their partner, and then working together to say this is how we're going to raise our kids. Yeah, couples um, and and parents really need to agree on values. You know, basic values. Um, uh, it's it's good for that to be the baseline. We're gonna we're gonna both teach these basic values. Uh, but in terms of the the parenting style, that's where their own assets are gonna come through and where they are gonna be somewhat different. And you know, typically one parent uh, tends to be a little more. <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, maybe passive or more patient or more giving and allows more chances, whereas another parent tends to be more strict. You know, this is all good. This is all all by strategic, and it's going to grow, hopefully, from their own assets. So they're not going to have to... Uh, well, if they have a flaw in their parenting, they'll work on it. But basically, we want our own assets to come through as parents, and, and it does sort of divide up. One of the things that, that uh, we have talked about on this podcast before uh, several times is the importance of dads in the lives of their children and what that means for, say, a single mom raising a child or even lesbian couples and uh, how they, they uh, might want to find uh, a, a good man or two to pour some masculine energy into their kids. Does the same also work then for a gay couple? Do they would they want to find uh, female influencers in the lives of their boys? Oh, I think so. I, I, I definitely think, and they naturally tend to do it um, uh, more so when they have girls, right? I mean, that's there's just more um, incentive if it's two men raising girls, where they they feel this, you know, instinctive pull to find women because there's so many things that girls are going through that these men hadn't gone through. Um, so for them especially, uh, but even with two sons, these these folks want to have two sons. Yeah, uh, female influence, feminine influence, uh, however you want to word it, is is great. Maternal, there's a, you know, let's be multi-strategic there. And we, they will find them. I mean, if, um, you know, school is mainly taught by females, they'll find right. them there. Uh, if they're young enough for preschool, of course, it's almost all female. So they're gonna they're gonna find them. Maybe their family systems have sisters, aunts, grand grandmas. Um, maybe we can get grandma or aunt to watch these kids. You know, a couple mornings a week. Uh, I think it's very nice because it's very nice to get kids the influence of all you know both sexes. 
So then their, their second question, which is a, a good concern um, and uh, certainly one that we've seen played out uh, many times, is how do you deal with possible bullying uh, that might come, say, if they have two sons uh, because their dads are gay? Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunately our culture is still doing that. It's gotten way better, but, um, you know, it's still doing that. And there are kind of two ways to talk about it. One way is is just insensitivity like guys will so these are going to be two boys as they grow up you know their guys are going to be see that saying that's so gay you know and that kind of thing and and don't be so gay and may not even realize <laughs> you know that these guys have gay dads then when they realize these guys have gay dads then there's going to be awkwardness and and some of the guys are going to push even harder you know some of it will become bullying most of it i think is going to be insensitivity uh some of it will be bullying they they're going to do for bullying what everyone does. You know, they're going to they're going to teach basic values. How do you respond? Uh, depending on age, you get adults involved to help you. you. You know, the child should get the parents involved as much as possible, although the child may not want to for fear of reprisal, but it's still the right thing to teach. And, and you know, if it gets, uh, oh, and they also will need to correct, uh, especially the ones who are being insensitive, they'll need to correct and say to them, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, freak out on you but you know that's not really the right way to say that here's another term um for that so gay right they're gonna do that stuff and i think they're gonna assertively gradually push back on on some of it but the bullying that becomes really mean they're gonna have to get adult help if they're younger and i i I believe if they you know get to be high school age and they're being bullied at that age sometimes they just will have to fight back you know they're gonna have to probably fight back verbally and every once in a while they're just gonna get in a fight with someone you know, and and that's what that's what teen boys do, and sometimes that will push back, uh, but they're gonna have to push back on it. They're gonna get some of it for sure. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. We, we've talked about bullying in previous podcasts, and, and we're not going to go into into depth on this one, but it, it is a good question to ask in this context. Uh, and you and you talk a little bit about pushing back, which seems to be anti everything that's happening in our schools today. It's always walk away, tell a teacher, um, don't fight for yourself. But you want to advocate, don't you, a little bit of uh, some resilience building uh, from our boys or our girls when it comes to bullying. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with bullying prevention programs uh, and with the concept that we should teach children to get adults, to get adults involved, walk away. I think those are all good. I, I'm really, it's not an either or to me. Um, uh, let's try those first. Uh, but there, are, I, I think we've removed re- the concept of re- resilience too much from child raising, and 
this bullying thing is a place, and you and I have talked about it before, where where uh, the culture has decided that the most important thing, um, you know, is the walking away because they feel like that won't create a fight, let's say, and the culture wants to stop the fight. There's such a fear of that sort of fighting. Um, they want to stop that. But what we're forgetting is that these kids who are bullied need to build resilience. And uh, others may call it self-esteem. If you keep being bullied and keep walking away, you really aren't building resilience, especially because those bullies are going to probably pursue you. And um, and then it gets to cyberbullying and it goes online. And, and um, so I think, especially as kids get older, this isn't true for five-year-olds, but as they get older and they get into their teen years, um, I think we have to revisit the conversation about fighting back. And um, I'd like to see it done in a, in a healthy way. But I don't think it's smart of us to be telling, you know, 13-year-old kids, let's say 13-year-old boys, you should never fight back. You should always come talk to me. I don't think that really fits the development of a lot of these guys who are whose self-esteem is going to suffer and who are going to never feel, you know, resilient because they haven't had to push back. So uh, we got to be moderate, walk the fine line. Um, but I think it's a conversation we should revisit. Yeah, and for those of you who, who didn't get a chance to hear our episode on bullying, just go back into the the uh, the files and, and you'll find that there and a lot of good information on that. Um, do you think that um, children who are part of a, a, a gay household are bullied more than children who are part of a lesbian household? Or would you say it tends to be the same? Hmm. I don't. I don't have research on that. I. I. Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, kids from a from two gay dads. Kids from two lesbian. I do not have research, um, so I'm gonna stay out of that. <laughs> because you know, I like I like to use science, and that is yep. not my area. Yep. It's got me thinking, but Good. I don't want to say anything. I don't know. All right. Well, I, I sense a new Gurian blog coming up in the next year on <laughs> okay. this. We'll see. Okay. Uh, so another question they ask, and and I, I, this applies too to say uh, lesbian moms uh, or or even single moms when it comes to Father's Day. Um, these two guys are asking, well, what do we do when Mother's Day comes around? Yeah, I think by then they're going to have, you know, women, they have women friends and they're going to see if there's a way to bond these guys with some women um, uh, friends. And and if if not, they're certainly going to carry on the conversation with these guys because we want to remember for listeners, these is two men who want to adopt two boys. So these are these are boys who are going to be wondering all their lives, not just because they have two dads, but actually because they're adopted. You know, that that's more of where what they're going to wonder about, I think, because um, these guys are going to love them. They're going to be two good parents to them. So they're going to get used to having two um, dads as parents. But they're always going to be thinking, you know, why did my mom give me up? If if the mom didn't die, why did my mom give me up? And so, so if there isn't, or even if there is a, a woman like an aunt or, or a sister or someone they're bonded with on Mother's Day to go do things with, uh, they still, these parents are going to want to help these kids as they get old enough to explore who their moms are, what happened with their moms, um, why did their the mom give them up? You know, I, I think that needs to be a really honest conversation. Um, and I am I am for kids when they get old enough reuniting 
you know, if they were given up for adoption. I actually think that is a good idea, but they need to be old enough. Uh, so honest conversation about mom on Mother's Day. So so it, it raises an interesting uh, side question uh, because we've not talked about adoption that I can remember in our podcasts and probably do need to do a, a full podcast on that. But what are a couple things that you would say uh, to these gay dads, to their younger children? You know, you talked a little bit about how important it might be to later on reunite with mom, the biological mom. But in the meantime, say you're five, six-year-old, how do you begin to talk about adoption to that age group? Well, it's going to be based on what they know. And if they don't know what happened, then then it's going to be your mom you know, or sure your mom loved you, but for some reason she could not have you. And um, hopefully they know why, but if they don't, that's what they're going to be saying. And they're going to keep reassuring that mom loves this child, but could not raise this child uh, so that, so that the child has that in his head. Mom does love me, but there's something going on. And later we'll figure out what that thing is. Um, That, that's, that it would be the party line because we want to remember. So the second thing I would say is always remember with adoption that that abandonment anxiety, um, uh, abandonment fear, sense of abandonment, that that is, that is always with an adopted child. It's the fate, just like it's the fate of the, these kids to be adopted by two dads, which is unusual, obviously different. Um, they have a second fate, which is that someone gave them up. Actually, two people gave them up. And so they have to, their parents have to always be thinking that. And when these kids have, um, you know, responses, they it's helpful for them to think, oh, is that an abandonment response? Like the way that my, that my let's take a seven-year-old, the way my seven-year-old is separating from me and not really understanding, you know, boundaries is some of that because of um, you know really being needy and clingy because of having been uh, abandoned, and it may well be. And it's not unusual for kids who have been adopted, especially if there's confusion or um, kind of a barrenness of information on why it happened, for them to uh, get into therapy, you know, uh, as needed, and child counseling as needed, because that that abandonment is is just so tough, and it takes so long to kind of write the self and get the self to understand, hey, I'm okay even though I was abandoned. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and that, that happens even to children who are in a, uh, an adopted household where they know they're loved and they know mom and dad are their mom and dad, but there's still that, that little longing in the heart of what, what happened, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because consciously or unconsciously, your self-worth, your concept of self, um, all of that is at stake because someone did not love you enough right. to raise you. And a child always blames him or herself at, you know, yeah. at a kind of inchoate level. And so it's, this is the inner battle. And, and the parents just always have to be conscious of that and watch child reactions for that kind of abandonment, what we generally would call abandonment anxiety. There's one other issue for uh, these two dads that um, uh, may pertain to some of our uh, other parents as well. And there's an age gap in in this particular relationship uh, of over 20 years. And how does that play in? You've got someone who's you know seen a lot of life, and then someone who hasn't seen as much life, and they're putting their lives together and now bringing children into those different life experiences. Um, what are some things that they might want to know about uh, that age gap and parenting? 
Well, if they're let's just assume they're both, you know, equally um, equally loving and equally uh, good parents, even though they haven't been parents yet. But let's just assume that in that with that age gap, you're gonna tend to have the older one who's going to tend to be sort of more patient, more, you know, quote unquote mature. Um, and what we mean by that is not taking as many things too seriously, maybe. This is going to depend on his personality, but, you know, he's seen it before. And um, you tend to have the younger one who has, like in this case, one is 58, one is 33. A tendency is, I don't know about these two people, but a tendency is for the younger one to be, you know, sort of more gung-ho, moving faster, trying out more things, you know, more experimental. Um, and so that's kind of how it divides up. It might necessarily not happen that way here, but it sort of divides up that way. And I think that's, you know, that's great. And I, I it's just kind of bi-strategic. And um, if they have to defer to someone, if the older one has seen a lot and there's certain insights the older one has, I think they're going to kind of defer to that that person um, uh, as long as it's reasonable what that person is saying. I think that's smart because this person's twice as old, has seen twice as much. Um, but there are going to be instincts on the younger one where, especially the energy level that the younger one has, that the older one is going to try to keep up with, right? Because the younger one is going to have so much energy uh, and and be going a mile a minute. And the older one will try to keep up with that. And what kind of naturally happens is the older one says, okay, you take that. You know, I'm, I'm staying home now. You go do that. Uh, you have energy for that. And that that happens, and that's natural. And that's okay for the kids. The kids are so smart. You know, they figure that out really quick. <laughs> uh, years ago, when I was a much younger man in my 30s, um, I used to do uh, seminars uh, on generations and uh, some of the, the different experiences we have generationally speaking. Uh, and uh, I, you and I both come from the baby boomer generation. And, um, you know, we grew up listening to the Beatles and Rolling Stones and, and things like that. And I had a, a, a guy who was a little older than I was at that time came to my uh, workshop. Uh, and he had married someone about 15 years younger than he was. And he said it was really eye-opening to to understand why there were sometimes some conflict that had nothing to do with their love for each other or their personalities, but had everything to do with just different generational experiences of, uh, you know, one listening to Rolling Stones and the other listening to Nirvana or whatever it might be. And uh, sometimes even those kinds of conversations of, of uh, well, you know, what were your musical influences? What were you learning in school? What was the style of learning can help couples uh, better navigate some of those age differences as well? Yeah, yeah, that's really smart. Yeah, this this is a quarter century. One's 58, one's 33. So I'm doing the math. I think that's 25 years. Yep. So you're right. Um, th they are definitely from different generations. And that's something they'll nav they are already navigating as a right. couple. Yeah. And and we've we've uh, you know we've both seen couples who have navigated those kinds of um, lifespans uh, and uh, have built great marriages and great families uh, using the uh, as you said sort of the wisdom of the uh, the older and then the energy of the younger and uh, blending that together it really can be a great bi strategic gift for those kids. Mm -hmm. um, also wanted to know um, if there are some resources that you might recommend. 
uh, I'm thinking of some really good Gurian books off the top of my head uh, oh. that uh, would be helpful not just for uh, you know gays or lesbians uh, raising children, but all of us. What are some helpful resources navigating maybe age gaps or by strategic parenting? Uh, some of the topics that we've talked about today. Yeah, my I think my best two resources right now are um, for raising boys, saving our sons. That's new. It has all the stuff on digital. I mean, it's just uh, research is caught up. It's kind of a primer on on raising boys, and then uh, the minds of girls, which is similar um, primer on raising raising girls. Those are I have many previous books, of course, but those are the newest, and uh, then folks can look back at the previous ones um, for. Uh, for these folks, these two gay dads, I think the websites and then the books on gay dads, you know, are going to be very valuable for them because mm-hmm. those are targeted not to the kids, but to the dads, whereas my books are targeted to raising the kids. So I think that would be a good combo. And and I, I'll just say again, I, as I've said many times, uh, not only are the books really helpful and well-written, uh, filled with lots of information, but the appendix in both of those books has all of the research to back up what you're saying, because there are some folks who who want to say that um, all of this is cultural, all of this is uh, you know, nurture, and uh, your argument, of course, is that there's some nature heavily involved in all of these things as well. Well, absolutely. If they're saying we're going to get two boys, then they're getting two boys. Yep. Right. I mean, there's a spectrum of what these boys will be. There's no doubt one might be more aggressive, one less aggressive. I mean, there's all those things, uh, but they're boys. They're going to have male brains and. Um, male bodies and male hormonology and they'll be part of male culture so so yeah if we can arm ourselves uh, and target parenting to uh, not just the general and the cultural which is good but target our parenting to the actual nature of the child and so as you know my phrase is nurture the nature as they as and this goes for every couple these these are two gay guys right but this goes for every couple if we nurture the nature of the child that child ends up uh, more comfortable, more successful, more resilient, you know, a stronger adult, a more mature adult, because we are nurturing that nature. We've seen into the eyes and the soul of that child and seen who this child is, and we're nurturing that. And um, and you just stimulated my mind, you know, for folks who like video, we do have on the Wonder of Parenting, uh, the Wonder of Parenting.com, we have that parenting online course yes which is six hours and if people prefer video to book just click that and you'll see that's six hours on raising boys and girls too that's another resource this these guys might like well we get uh, a lot of questions from our listeners and uh, we always put them in the queue and so we do get to your questions it may take uh, a while but we do get to them and we read every one of them and so if you've got a question that you'd like to ask us you can go to wonderofparenting.com uh, wonderparenting.com and there's a place to submit questions uh, there are also links to resources Michael mentioned one of them the parenting the online parenting course of course a link to our sponsors uh, the center of place of hope and uh, other books and resources available there as well and we encourage you just to go there and browse a little bit and if you're interested you might want to join our wonder of parenting Facebook group and uh, it's been fun just to watch as different parents have posted questions and parents have been offering advice to each other which is fantastic that's the whole point of that community so if you're interested in that you just go to facebook and uh, do a little search on wonder of parenting and you can join the group that way now we get uh, a lot of questions and um, 
the majority of our questions have to do with boys, which isn't a surprise to us uh, because we know that our boys have been somewhat underserved in terms of uh, how to raise boys and so on. And so next week's question is going to deal with boys. But I do think it's going to have something to say to parents raising daughters as well. And it's the whole issue of pornography in the lives of our boys and our girls. And so that's what we're going to talk about in our next podcast. Looking forward to uh, being with you for that. Michael, any last words that you have for folks as uh, we wrap up this topic? Um, I, I Let me see. I, I guess, you know, I have an urge to say to everyone listening that, that how wonderful it is that two people come together, they marry, and they adopt kids. There are so many kids who need mm. adopting, you know, and there yep. is so much need. And um, and I, I know that there are some folks who will say, well, there's only, you know, one household. There's only one way that a household should be set up to adopt kids or have kids. And I think we just lost Michael as he was wrapping up that really good point. And uh, so I'm going to pick it up for him and just say we really are uh, glad to have this couple writing into us to show that there are other ways to love our children and uh, to care for them. And uh, so with that, we are going to uh, say goodbye. I'm going to say goodbye on behalf of Michael, and we will be with you on our next podcast. Thanks. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.